Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Oh, my. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Great to have you here with me. Thank you so much for joining. And who would have thought that we would be in the absolute height of the election season? Here we are a few weeks, two and a half weeks away from Election Day for an election that it's impossible to convey in words how much people are putting on this, how much they're going to be either very upset or very happy. And we're not talking about the election that much. We're barely talking about an open Supreme Court seat, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg seat open up for a originalist, Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, looks like that's going to get through. Looks like I mean, could change by the even by the end of the show could change. But as of now, looks like it's going to happen. You know what we're talking about instead? A Hunter Biden story that was going to be pretty big, but then the tech companies and the mainstream media decided to inject news cycle steroids right into its neck. I mean, just make it the Ivan Drago of of news stories, just juicing it up with everything they can by openly, actively suppressing it. Instead of just allowing people to say, well, hold on a second. Was there anything criminal here? Okay, looks like there was some lying. I mean, the usual cover up stuff that you would expect from the media. And, and I want you to know this. Don't think of the news media as journalists, especially in the election. But this is true as a general principle. Think of them as pro bono lawyers working for the Biden campaign. And these are the kind of lawyers who are willing to suborn perjury, hide evidence, eliminate a witness, whatever. That's what the journos really are. So just get out of your head that this, oh, they're trying to bring us the truth. Obviously not. In fact, one of the most apparent ways that journos hypocrisy is exposed is that the core principles of their profession, transparency, accountability, giving the information to the public and letting them decide, they have completely turned on those. They are anti-transparency. Journalists now will complain about incredibly newsworthy leaks if it hurts their preferred candidate. They'll say, whoa, whoa, we can't have a part of this. So you had the journos and you had big tech, both of them, showing everybody what they're really about here. Both of them showing the American people that you can't trust them at all, at all, especially right now. Right? This is this is bringing together all of the worst habits, all the worst inclinations of the news media. Let, let's just do a quick review of what happened yesterday, and I'll bring you up to speed with where we are right now at this moment, because it just keeps growing and getting worse. Every time the journos and the big tech companies, in this case, well, I'll refer to tech broadly or big tech broadly, but we'll be talking mostly about Facebook and Twitter which are more powerful individually and certainly together than any news network, any newspaper. And I would argue all the news networks and all the newspapers in this country put together. On the left, at least, because they don't have talk radio. Uh, but what we've seen 
At every phase is when they could have thrown water on the fire. Or when they could have done some very basic things to take losses. No question. This was going to be bad for them. This story about Hunter Biden doing exactly what we all thought he was doing a year and change ago when this first this first came out about Hunter and Burisma and the stuff about China. I, I, I'm willing to bet the China stuff might be even worse the more we find out about this. And I'll tell you this right now. I called some friends yesterday in D.C. who were close to the story and I talked to them. And they said there's a lot more coming. And they're claiming that it's a lot worse. <laughs> they're claiming that it's going to be even more, which if you're if you're really running an oppo campaign against somebody, that's the classic tactic. That's the way to do it. You want to have a, a, a steady drip, but also the droplets getting bigger. You know, once you've already established the basic narrative, you want to build to the, the ultimate conclusion that the Biden crime family is just like the Clinton crime family. Another establishment Democrat uh, group that use personal connections to enrich themselves through cronyistic and corrupt mechanisms while pretending that they care about the American people. They're just doing it for the common folk. You know, Hillary was just doing it for women's empowerment. You know, all this stuff that you would hear or combating climate change. It's all all nonsense. It's virtue signaling, not just because virtue signaling makes people feel good, but also used as a shield. If you adopt those ideas, if you adopt those slogans, you create a barrier from criticism from the other side because you're on the good team. So if you're enriching yourself, if you're you have your little piggy snout in the trough of corrupt dollars. Guess what? As long as you hold the appropriate left wing Democrat positions, you give yourself something of a shield. You give yourself some degree of invulnerability. We see this in all the different professions. This is true in in so many ways. But here's here's the way the Hunter Biden thing has gone from because remember, it's really confirmation of what we knew. So the damage here is it's always worse when you have proof instead of just instead of circumstantial evidence. We've got pretty much the smoking gun now. The the Biden campaign. And and this is about a Russian. I'm sorry, a Ukrainian businessman connected to Burisma, thanking Hunter for brokering a meeting with his dad. And now keep in mind, even if that meeting didn't happen, that is the quid pro quo then. So so we do understand exactly why. The whole scheme of Hunter being on the board of Burisma was meant to open up access to his dad. And even if that access does not come to fruition, you know, if, if I'm if I'm somebody who is part of a corrupt scheme, you know, give me give me a million dollars and I'll talk to the state gaming commission about helping your casino get situated where you want it to. And I'm taking that money. And I'm, and I'm passing it along, even if I don't get your casino in the right place, even if it doesn't come together, I'm still part of a corrupt scheme. I'm still part of a of an illegal conspiracy, a bribery conspiracy. You know, even if you take the money, I'm going to set up the meeting for you. And, you know, you get these people. It doesn't matter if it if it ends up happening. So very important, very important that you you understand that we all understand what the implications are of what is known already and that there's more information coming out. So it's a it's a bad story, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think this kills the chances of Biden winning on its own. Not at all. I speak the truth to you the same way. Oh, yeah. Who's waiting? Do do we have our 
Do we have our, our, our watches attuned to when the Durham report's going to come out? I'm pretty sure your humble radio host uh, right here has been telling you, I mean, I don't even know how long, from the beginning of the Durham report. I wouldn't count on anybody getting, what do I always say? They're not going to get frog marched in handcuffs out of buildings anywhere. You're not, it's not going to happen. Nothing. Don't expect that. The government bureaucracy is set up so that as long as you have friends within the bureaucracy, you're never really going to get in trouble. That's the way that it is. So I told you the truth on that. You're also not going to see uh, right now a huge drop in the polls because of the Hunter Biden story. I don't see it. If I'm wrong, I'll tell you, I don't see it. But what you have seen is both a massive surge in interest, honestly, in anger, outrage, uh, and and a preview of the future conflict that we're going to have on the right over tech suppression of information. So they took this story that was bad and now they have it has been magnified several times over. And everyone needs to understand because I know that I have friends who are conservatives who aren't on Facebook, who think Twitter is a waste of time. OK, but that's that doesn't change the fact that these tech companies are enormously influential, uh, have a tremendous they're basically giant, especially Facebook It's a giant ATM machine. And not only do they determine what information gets shared, how much it gets shared, who sees it. But also they're able to shut down other because they control so much. Google, Facebook, uh, Google and Facebook are the ones I'm really thinking of. They control so much of advertising that they can shut down other sites. So even if you're running a conservative news site and you're saying, fine, I I don't uh, I don't care if Twitter's going to shut down, which you should care. We'll get into that. They're going to shut down the sharing of this Hunter Biden story. Uh, I'm going to do my own thing at, you know, Bucks Freedom Hut forever dot net or something sounds like a good site to me and you're going to run ads off of that because you need to pay writers and it needs to be a business right i mean a blog that's by itself you're not going to get that many readers if it's just just one person usually uh and they can shut down your advertising and they do sorry not going to give you the advertising you need well now you're done so their influence is far beyond even what you've had in the past and they're seeing an opportunity. And this is the this is really the, the critical. This is the crux of the issue. The left with big tech sees an opportunity to return to what we had in the 80s, you know, in the early 80s, let's say when the, and, and clearly before. But I have some recollection of the 80s. I was alive during it uh, and and know it a little bit better than even the news landscape in the 70s and the 60s, uh, where the left had effectively total dominance of the airwaves. With, with a few exceptions, as always, but overwhelming dominance of all the broadcast news stations, uh, the major newspapers. Now, the New York Times, the Washington Post weren't as far left then as they have become. That's for sure. But and, and they did allow conservative, real conservative opinion in their editorial pages. That has now changed. But they got ultimately they were in charge. You had to go through them. They were the gatekeepers. And they were able to mold and push the conversation. Now, because of the Internet, that has that is no longer the case uh, the way that it used to be. But if you control the Internet gatekeepers, ah, then we revert back to left wing information dominance. It'd be like if we were in a in a battle space 
and they've got all, all planes in the sky belong to the other side. They dominate that airspace. That's what they want here once again. And they can achieve it using big tech. They can they can choke off news organizations they don't like. They've already done this. There are whole entities devoted to picking out and they're they're scummy people that work at them, but entities that exist merely to point out conservatives that should be in classic Alinsky, Saul Alinsky fashion, frozen and destroyed, separate them, freeze them, destroy them. That's the whole the whole plan. Uh, so there are entities that do that, that leverage the control that big tech has to silence conservative voices. And also over time, they can just shut down more and more of your advertising. And in an immediate sense, in an election, what we're seeing right now, they can take a story that should be at an 11 on the dial and make it a three or a two. Some people see it. It's out there, but not many people see it. Most folks read a news story and they want to send it to their friends. You know where they're seeing it? Facebook. You know how they're sharing it? Facebook. So there are two methods that they cheat the system here. And the public isn't even really the wiser most of the time. One is that they'll just say this violates some community standard. And most people say, oh, I don't know, maybe there's some problem. I don't know. And they just go go on with their day or they shadow ban them. Oh, you, you shared it, but no one's seeing it. The left has been claiming for years, as we've seen this, that this is a conservative conspiracy. They've been lying to you. I've been telling you they're lying to you. And now we have all the proof we could ever need. The big tech companies, these media, these media and online giants are firmly in the DNC camp. They will do whatever they have to do while still maintaining their business model at some level to help Joe Biden win the election. And they have created a firestorm where conservatives may finally, and I know there's a lot of tough talk around this and no action, so I'm aware of that. But conservatives will go one of two directions, demand one of two things, or maybe both. Government regulation, or finally build some competitors for these things and and stop with, this game that they play of we're just platforms. We don't pick and choose favorites in politics. That's a lie. And it is a lie that is so big and so powerful that it could, in fact, change the course of this election. So we need to take action right now. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. And, and, by, and by the way, Mika, when when there is a New York Post article that is false, um, it's much better for Twitter to let people read the New York Post article and sit there and laugh at the hokey story of a computer uh, repairman looking at a computer going, this sure does look suspicious to me. I'm going to call Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> like, let that out okay <laughs> because people will read the story and then they'll go this is really one of the stupidest october surprises i've ever seen before but what did he have x-ray vision oh my lord <laughs> i mean joe scarborough is an embarrassment i can't believe this guy used to consider himself to be on the right it's not very smart it's not very nice it's not very ethical none of those things but now he does the little dance to have coins thrown at his feet by democrats for Democrats. 
but he's the real conservative. I mean, this is this is really like a mental illness, but he's he's laughing about this, this Hunter Biden story. What's funny about it exactly? What what does not add up? If these emails were fake, guess what the first thing is that would come out from the campaign, and everyone else? In fact, it would be a great trap, wouldn't it? Let the New York Post print this. Let them destroy their credibility. Do they really think that the Post didn't do any due diligence on this beforehand? I know they keep referring to it as a tabloid, but the New York Post has some great writers, and it has been around since 1801 when it was founded by Alexander Hamilton, the oldest continuously running newspaper in the country. So they can scoff and laugh at it all they want, but what's not true here? And let's also remember, not that I would ever put these two papers in the same category, but it was, in fact, the National Enquirer and the Libs have completely memory hold this. They never want to talk about this because it's so embarrassing. It was the National Enquirer that broke the very true and very real story of that slimeball John Edwards who only cheats on his cancer stricken wife when she's in remission, folks. Those were his words. Yeah. Only while she was in remission. What a what a sweetheart he is. Wife's dying of cancer. He's going out on the side. But, you know, he waited till there was a remission period. What a, what a good guy. Real, real ethical ambulance chaser. He was uh, vice presidential candidate for the Democrats. A lot of people wanted him to be president in the Democrat side because those are the kinds of people the Democrats want to put forward. Bill Clinton, John Edwards. And now we're seeing Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's quite a quite a story, isn't he? So so Scarborough's laughing. I want to know what's so funny because everything so far completely adds up. Oh, I'm sorry. Hunter Biden, who does crack in the back room of a strip club and impregnates a stripper. There's a whole lot of uh, I think you could call it bad judgment involved in these things. Okay, putting it mildly. And again, I don't I don't like uh, going after somebody who's clearly clearly a casualty, man. I mean, this guy's got got problems, got a drug problem and everything else. But uh, this is where we are. I mean, they're holding up Joe Biden as some kind of paragon of virtue different from Trump, when in reality, Trump actually made his money in business. So did his family members and in media. Biden makes his money. The Bidens make their money by selling access to public office through the person of Joe Biden. That's what we're seeing. That's what's actually playing out before us. So. Uh, people are laughing about the story and how, how fake it is. There's nothing fake that we've seen about this so far at all. What, what's fake? Hunter Biden left a laptop that uh, he wanted fixed. And he left it behind because he didn't care. Does anyone think that Hunter Biden has good information security protocols in place? Does anyone think that this guy who got kicked out of the Navy for uh, smoking some I don't know, crack or whatever it was, some kind of a drug, that he makes good judgment calls, that he understands how to keep himself out of trouble. No one believes that. So what part of Hunter Biden leaving behind his laptop beyond the 90 days, at which point it becomes the property of the place that has it? How does that not add up? No, it's completely credible. And in fact, you'll recall that it was really happenstance that led Hillary Clinton's email homebrew server. That wasn't supposed to come out. Right. That wasn't supposed to be a thing that anybody figured out. It goes into the Benghazi hearings and grabbing the emails. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a second. Who, what? Who, who's emailing? Where? What's this email address that comes up? And Hillary Clinton's homebrew server discovered by accident, by by sheer 
happenstance. And, and she almost got away with it. But I also want to I want to remind you of because you, you should tie these things together in your in your mind. Why did Hillary Clinton set up the homebrew server? Because she wanted to have control over her email record, her her you know, unclassified email record. It wasn't about sending classified to people or anything like that. It was about she wanted to make sure that she could pick and choose what emails would get would be part of the FOIA record of her time as secretary of state, because all it takes is one dumbass who doesn't understand. Don't, you know, say, so to speak, the quiet part out loud. In this case, it would be writing it where you say, hey, Hillary, you know, I'm representing, you know, the prince of uh, of Saudi Arabia. There's a lot of princes there, but, you know, prince so and so prince Mohammed bin something or other of Saudi Arabia. And, you know, we wrote that big check to you. Where's our meeting? All it, t- it doesn't even have to be illegal. It just has to be embarrassing. You know, oh, you mean the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative money that was being sent that dropped off a cliff when Hillary lost the election because all of a sudden charity doesn't matter as if we can't connect the dots here. That that money wasn't all just upfront bribery to Hillary, her her global charity, quote unquote, and her her family and her brand. All it takes is one email that makes clear what we can all see. And now you got a real problem. That's why Hillary set up the homebrew server. Look at what we're seeing now with Hunter Biden. An email trail putting out there for everyone to see now. Now, he wasn't FOIA a bull because he wasn't in, in public office. But this is what Hillary was trying to avoid. All it takes is one email that says the scheme in writing. And then you have a really hard time saying, what do you mean we're peddling influence? There's no there's no influence peddling going on here. Now, the influence peddling is obvious. In fact, it could not be more clear. And that's where we are now. So here's what happened with uh, we, we talked yesterday about the Burisma situation. And there's messages that make clear Hunter was trying to set up a meeting and today. There's more stuff from The New York Post, which has the emails. You know, and for people who are pretending, do you, you know, Joe, I mean, what's his name? Uh, Joe Scarborough, you know, complete buffoon. He acts like this is such an, an implausible thing to be an October surprise at this point. Does anyone remember how it was that the Hillary email case got reopened right before the election by James Comey, no less? It was because Huma Abedin was also using a laptop that Anthony federal sex criminal wiener was using and some of the hillary emails were on the wiener laptop that's right the wiener laptop was a thing that influenced american political destiny you know you can't you can't count wiener out that's for sure that guy was that guy somehow stayed uh, stayed relevant even by accident long after his political career was done but so how is this not falling in line with exactly what we've seen in the past? Well, here's here's uh, today's New York Post story. And, you know, in a, in a fair world, I think these awards are I think awards are silly. I think trophies, you know, maybe for sporting events when you win the championship, it's kind of a nice visual for people. But, you know, come on, trophies, awards. Come on. Uh, but I would you know, if, if awards mattered, they should get a, a Pulitzer for the, the New York Post should for what they're breaking here. They certainly would if they were. Oh, we're going to get into all the excuses for why it's not real and the suppression techniques of, of big tech in, in a moment. 
But let's first look at what the news story today is. Um, oh, and, and the laptop that was dropped off, Joe Scarborough says that it's not plausible this guy would just give it to Rudy Giuliani. Why not? People have come to me with information in the past that listen to me, that, that trust me. They've given me stuff. I've had confidential stuff that I've never run with, that I've never used, but, and that was real. This happens all the time. This is, I thought this was journalism. I'm not a journalist, but I thought that that's what we considered this. And the, all of a sudden, the prohibition on stolen information, pretty much the biggest news stories that papers like the Washington Post and the New York Times have ever done has been illegally obtained stolen information. Biggest news stories they've ever done. Now, all of a sudden, they have a problem with it. Now, all of a sudden, it's, whoa, whoa, hold on. This stuff was hacked. It wasn't hacked. No. If you give somebody access to your computer, they've got access to your computer and the contents thereof. That's not hacking. That's you being a dumbass, Hunter. Sorry. Uh, this is very clear. But, but let's go to the, this story, because I've always thought that the China connection was going to be a bigger problem for Hunter and for the whole Biden thing, even than what we've seen with Burisma, just because the, the, the money there, there, it's so much bigger. And China is a real concern. We've spent all this time because of the lib delusions around Russia. We spent all this time worried about what are we going to do about Russia? Russia is not a threat to the U.S. Russia is not, you know, they can be a problem on some foreign policy issues, but it's not a, not a long-term challenge for us that we have to really be concerned about. It's certainly not a, a great power challenge anymore. China absolutely is. It's the only one. And so access peddling that involves anything Chinese government related, which means anything Chinese state enterprise related in, in the business sector, that is a big national security uh, concern. That does feel like policy, U.S. foreign policy up for sale. Here's the New York Post story today. Hunter Biden pursued lucrative deals involving China's largest private energy company, including one that he said would be interesting for me and my family, according to emails obtained by the Post. One email sent to Biden on May 13, 2017, with the subject line expectations included details of remuneration packages for six people involved in an unspecified business venture. Biden was identified as chair, vice chair, depending on agreement with CEFC, an apparent reference to the former Shanghai-based conglomerate CEFC China Energy Company. His pay was pegged at 850, and the email also noted that Hunter has some office expectations he will elaborate. In addition, the email outlined a provisional agreement under which 80% of the equity or shares in the new company would be split equally among four people whose initials correspond to the sender and three recipients with H apparently referring to Biden. Uh, the deal also listed 10 Jim and 10 held by H for the big guy. Neither Jim nor the big guy was identified further. Oh, I'm just wondering. Does anybody want to take a guess at who H Hunter refers to as the big guy, because I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's Andre the Giant. R.I.P. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to put on my thinking cap for a moment. I'm pretty sure he's talking about daddy. Former vice president of the United States, the would be next president of the United States, if you believe all the polls out there right now and certainly what the Democrats desire. 
10 for Jim, 10 held by the big guy. Uh, so 10 points, 10 percentage uh, points, it seems, of this deal. Uh, that could be a lot. Renumeration uh, packages. Um, let's see what we have here. We have 850 for Hunter, 500 for this guy, James. $850,000 salary is a lot of money. Who is paying Hunter Biden $850,000 for his role in some, uh, in some pr Chinese private equity deal? Someone who wants to buy access to the vice president. We're not idiots. We see exactly what's going on here. Why is Hunter flying on Air Force Two? This is the uh, adult child of the vice president going on trips with him to China. And it wasn't to take photos at the Great Wall and eat some good dib sum. That's not what was happening. There's so much here, friends. The media caught in yet another depraved lying session. They went to the mat for Hunter Biden. There's nothing here. Mm, yeah. Now we've got the emails. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Are you as mad as everybody else is that NBC is doing a town hall with President Trump tomorrow <laughs> instead of the debate at the same time that Vice President Biden's going to be on ABC? Uh, I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is well let me let me ask you let me ask you a different angle yeah yeah should the networks refuse to give the president other opportunities for airtime if he's the one who well, refuses the chance to debate i you know i'm not going to tell the networks what to do but i'll tell you i know who i'm going to be watching <laughs> so there you go <laughs> Wow, a lot of journalism going on there. It seems like she's really pressing her on serious questions. Like, I know MSNBC is as a, a wing of the DNC, and that's fine. At least they're a little more there's a little bit more honesty about it than there is at CNN, which is living in a fantasy land. Uh, CNN is, is a delusional place, a dishonest and delusional place. But you got these town halls that are going to be happening to, happening tonight. Uh you know, this is this is where we see once again, they have control over thing with ABC. It's going to be a long, boring commercial for the Joe Biden campaign. That will be the town hall. We've we've had in the past problems with who they put forward even for these town halls. Oh, I'm an I'm a independent voter. No, you were already at a town hall. I think there was a guy that was already at a town hall before as a Democrat voter. And they, they picked the softball, the softball questions beforehand. This is all done. <clears throat> with an eye to helping one side and hurting the other. And now Trump's going to appear on, on NBC. He's going to get a lot of, of, of questions that are like, why do you hate, you know, everybody? Why do you not care about all the deaths from COVID? Why are you the worst? Why are you a racist? I think Trump will handle it pretty well, but what's the point? What's the point? Also interesting that the narrative is that Trump won't debate Biden. No, Biden refuses to show up in a debate with Trump in person. I wouldn't do this either. Virtual debate. The whole thing seems very weird. Uh, and it also feels like a concession to the panic purveyors of the Democrat Party. Like these two guys. I mean, Trump is immune. He's good now. That's what the science tells us. Trump is, is 
able to be around anyone. He could shake hands with people. I mean, he still has to be concerned about the common flu, but, you know, so do we all. But from now until Election Day, no chance this guy's getting reinfected. None. Or going to infect anybody else. So he's the safest person you could possibly find to debate. He's the safest. Why won't Biden be on stage with him? It doesn't seem clear at all. What's the problem? Well, we all know Biden doesn't want to be on stage with them because uh, they think that they're trying to protect the lead. You have to remember, the Democrats really believe that Biden's way ahead. They see these polls. They think that he's going to be able to really crush Trump. And so they're just looking to, to keep that keep that front car status here as they go into the final lap of the race. And they don't want to give Trump an opportunity to, to really knock Biden on his butt. So that's why they're not doing an in-person debate. Town halls tonight. I, don't, I mean, I, I'll watch them because I do because because I, I love you all so much that I'm willing to sit through the most boring nonsense. Even the ACB hearings with Democrats going womp, 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 womp. Sounds like the uh, is it the mom in Charlie Brown or the teacher? Whatever. The womp, 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 womp. It's all Bruce adults. All adults. Oh. Yeah, yeah. OK, that's what that's what the Democrats questioning Amy Coney Barrett starts to sound like after a while. So I sit through these things, though, so I know everything that's happening. I can bring you the best, most distilled, most uh, shiny and exciting analysis possible. Uh, so I'll watch these. Uh, I'll watch these town halls and we'll bring you uh, the breakdowns of what's most important from tomorrow. But it's just not the same, man. I want to debate. I want to see I want to see another round. I think that Trump would do better this time because there was a missed opportunity by by interrupting Biden at, at points where you needed to let Biden make a, make a jackass of himself. Trump bailed them out unintentionally a, a number of times. So I think Trump this time would make sure that he he held his punches when he needed to and let Biden kind of punch himself out. That would have been a, a much better way to go uh, on to the status of covid for a second. I, I feel like I'm kind of a. Uh, an outlier here. I still think that the COVID uh, response and lockdowns is the single most important issue in the country. And I feel like the interest level around this compared to some other things going on is far lower than it should be. Uh, This is the story of 2020. It is the issue that determines where our economy is going, what freedoms we have, the role of government in our lives and the role of government in a way that you can really feel. I mean, they're, they're setting up uh, in places now to find people to take money out of your pocket because you're not wearing a piece of uh, of cotton over your face. OK. Seems like quite an infringement on uh, individual rights and liberties to me based on nothing, based on whim. There's no proof that this is a good idea outside. None. But they never talk about that. Uh, there's at least a promise from President Trump that there will not be, and I've told you he promised me personally this in the Oval Office, for whatever that's worth, that there will not be lockdowns. He's sticking with that. Play 20. We're not doing any more lockdowns, and uh, we're doing fine. Uh, We uh, had Florida, we had a spike, and the governor did a great job, DeSantis, and we had a spike in Arizona, the governor did a great job. Spike in Texas, you know, uh, they're down very low now, and we're not doing any shutdowns. No, we we learned about the disease. Young people, 99.9%, right? They're in great shape, strong immune systems. The younger, the better. It's hard to believe. But uh, like Barron, my son had it. It was like uh, he had it. It was gone. It was uh, we said, wow, that was quick. That's the case for ninety nine point nine percent of people under the age of uh, of 20 comes and goes. No problem. Like a 
For if you're if you're 12 and you get this, it's like a for the most part it's like a common cold. But people want to go into lockdowns again. Europe heading into a whole series. I see finally CNBC because they have to watch money and markets, so they got to report on this stuff. Europe is heading into a whole series of lockdowns. I've been telling you. Spain is having an explosion of cases. And uh, they're going to they're going to start, you know, hiding again, telling people they have to stay home. You can't even see people from other households. There's all kinds of rules that are going to place. Italy is going into a severe lockdown again. And I keep saying, what is the point of this? What are they really trying to accomplish? They cannot stop the virus. They can delay the spread of the virus in some areas at enormous cost. They cannot stop the virus. We have learned this. We have seen this. It has played out before us. Uh, meanwhile, you have uh, Dr. Fauci. Uh-oh. The fauci Here we go. Dr. Fauci. He's back. And he thinks that the... Well, he, he was asked about the Great Barrington Declaration, which I think there's still such little media interest in. And I sit around saying, okay, so now we've got we've got... Thousands of scientists and doctors from some of the top institutions in the world who are saying lockdowns are bad. This is not rooted in science. This is fear and panic and it's disastrous. But people still say, listen to the scientists. What, like Fauci? Fauci strikes me as kind of a dumbass. This guy's been wrong and wrong and wrong. No insights here. Doesn't understand how to argue his point very well. Doesn't make the points very clearly. But here's how I mean, he just completely dismisses the Great Barrington Declaration. Play three. There's about 30 percent of the population has underlying conditions that make them more susceptible to getting the adverse uh, uh, events and outcomes of serious disease with COVID-19. If you just let things rip and let the infection go, no masks, crowd, it doesn't make any difference. That, quite frankly, George, is ridiculous because what that will do is that there will be so many people in the community that you can't shelter, that you can't protect, who are going to get sick and get serious consequences. So this idea that we have the power to protect the vulnerable is total nonsense because history has shown that that's not the case. And and if you talk to anybody who has any experience in epidemiology and infectious diseases, they will tell you that that is risky and you'll wind up with many more infections of vulnerable people, which will lead to hospitalizations and deaths. So I think that we just got to look Look that square in the eye and say it's nonsense. Or Dr. Fauci is a moron who has pushed for the most destructive policy, intentional policy of disease control in the history of the world, despite evidence, facts and science. He says, just just let it rip. Who's who's saying just let it rip? No one says that sick people shouldn't stay home. No one says the vulnerable shouldn't be protected, that there shouldn't be a real surge of resources to those with under. So. So we notice the notice the flaw here in, in his logic. First of all, he says nobody who knows epidemiology would say, well, actually, there are thousands of them, Dr. Fauci, who are saying it. Thousands of them from Harvard and Oxford, not government bureaucrats who have just been sitting on their ass being useless for 40 years. God, go back and look at what Dr. Fauci used to say about HIV and, and you'll you'll realize, oh, my gosh, hold on a second. What? Yeah, Dr. Fauci was one of these guys who, who thought that HIV was going to be 
effectively of the same degree of risk for everybody in the population. Yeah, not true, by the way. There's some very there are some behaviors that are much higher risk than others. And if you're not a part of those high risk behaviors, your chance of catching HIV is very, very low. But and people barely even, I mean, people outside of the high risk categories barely even think of HIV anymore. And in large part also because there's such better therapeutics and drugs now for it, too. But Fauci says nobody would say, and that's not true. And then he says, think about the logic here. We can't protect vulnerable groups. So let's treat the entire population of the United States as a vulnerable group. Well, here's the issue with that. Fouch. You still have first responders, delivery people, Ho- uh, grocery store workers, hospital, uh, and, and you can't shut that down. And so there's still ongoing risk and transmission that's just happening in the course of day to day life. So all they're really doing is creating enormous cost to society, enormous cost to our freedoms and to the economy in the hopes that maybe they're elongating the duration of spread. But they're not shutting down spread. They're not making they're not making the kind of precautions that you would need to really prevent. And, and what he's saying is not even true. Governor Cuomo is now saying, well, yeah, we should be testing, uh, you know, nursing home employees before they come to work and we should have much str- more stringent. Yeah, that's called focus protection. But Fauci is never going to admit that he's wrong or think about what he's done. Think about all the suicides, all the untreated, undiagnosed cancer. Think about all the depression, all the alcoholism, all the, you know, massive weight gain all these just health calamities that have occurred because fauci encouraged the united states government and they listened to him they took his advice he encouraged the united states government to do something unprecedented in the modern history of this country that had been looked at they had looked at numbers before they had looked at the pandemics and 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 tried to come to lessons learned in all of the literature including from the cdc until this year, it was you can't do a lockdown. It, it probably won't work and it's catastrophic. Now it's if you if you won't do a lockdown, you're a bad person. Not going to not buying it. Sorry, doesn't work. And his mask obsession is just bizarre. Oh, because if we're not wearing masks, 85 uh, percent of people that got this, according to the CDC in July, either always or almost always wore a mask. So. All they're doing is making policies where people yell at other people and get annoyed and do a lot of virtue signaling. And they forget that, like all government policies, it's going to be highly imperfect in its application, poorly enforced and largely garbage. That's what ends up happening. You know where they have a federal mask mandate? Spain. You know what they're doing this week in Spain? Locking the locking the entirety of Madrid and much of the rest of the country down. But wait, they have a fed outdoor mask mandates too. They have a countrywide mandate. They have a countrywide mandate in France too. Shutting down whole parts of France. Wait, but I thought if you had a mandate, then everybody would wear the mask and everything would be better. Hmm, turns out it doesn't work that way. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. Potentially harmful content. That was the primary way that people were either warned or shut down from uh, sharing on on Twitter. Potentially harmful conduct. It was fascinating to watch the social media giants 
that control perception and the flow of information more than any other companies in America. It was fascinating to watch them scramble to come up with justifications for exactly what had happened yesterday, which was effectively an all-out effort. I mean, really just boil this down to its essence. What you saw yesterday from both the mainstream media and the tech oligarchs, the social media ones, was an all-out effort to suppress an October surprise against Joe Biden that was probably going to hit with some force. I don't think as much as what we're seeing now because of the actions taken, but it just goes to show you the level of anxiety and desperation that the left and the Democrats feel at this point in time to make sure that somehow Joe Biden will win no matter what. Jack Dorsey, who has always seemed like something of a, uh, a strange, a strange fellow, and that's for sure. Uh, he said yesterday, quote, our communication around our actions on the New York Post article was not great and blocking URL sharing via tweet or DM with zero context as to why we're blocking is unacceptable. So now he's even saying this is the CEO of Twitter. Now he's even saying, hmm, yeah, that doesn't look good, does it? Why were they blocking this? Uh, well, he's trying to clean up the mess that his other mess cleaner uppers at Twitter had made. So first, the decision, let, let's go through this. The decision is made by people at Twitter as a company. Oh, my gosh, we got it. We got to shut this thing down. We got to we got to get rid of this thing. We can't have this Hunter Biden New York Post story getting shared all over our platform. Why? Well, they say it's because it's potentially harmful content. Oh, actually, no, they said that. But then they said it's because it violates a policy on hacked or stolen information. Oh, no. But then Facebook said it's because we need to have third party fact checkers check to see if this true, uh, if this is true. Um, OK, well, which is it? What's the real reason? Because when you go through these reasons, what evidence do they have this information was hacked or stolen? None. There's no evidence of that. They can come up with a theory, but you could do that any time that somebody has an anonymous source or any time that you have, you know, according to, you know, a source that this newspaper spoke to on the condition of anonymity. Maybe maybe that person has hacked information. I know, you know, you have no proof of it, but you can just say it. Shut it down. Shut it down. That's what they do. So they came up with so many different reasons, it seems, because they didn't have a single good one. And they were scrambling and they were desperate. Why so desperate? What's the problem? Well, we all understand why, right? But we have to work through this step by step to see the full scope of the dishonesty and the impact here, which is this is all about what's happened in a couple of weeks. And people that work at these social media companies, you have to remember, they are more left wing than the assistant editors at The New York Times and The Washington Post who are in their mid to late 20s, who make sure that everybody knows what their preferred pronouns are. Right. Minor he his, just so you know, uh, or he him. I don't know. However, they do it. Just in case. Uh, so. The left wing ideological bent of places like Twitter and Facebook is even more powerful than what you have at places like The New York Times. The most left wing employees at the old newspapers, because there are still some people there that, you know, run things at the Times who really just 
you know, yeah, their their lifestyle lives, but they want to go out to the Hamptons and they're like fancy rich people and they want to be considered part of the cool kid table. There are radicals. I mean, there are are really self-styled revolutionaries who are either millennials or it's really more Gen Z these days who are low level employees at these places who everyone is in fear of. And at places like Twitter and Facebook, they run the place. They run the place. There is nothing too left wing. There is no gender theory too convoluted. No socialist claptrap too absurd for the employees of Facebook and Twitter to say, that sounds great. Let's let's make that official policy inside our institutions. Now, I know there will be arguments and there'll even be some conservatives who say, but hold on a second. These are private companies, a lot of private companies out there. This goes back to what I was saying about free trade, right? Well, trade's never really free. So you got to look at how free it is, where it's free, and you got to make adjustments. There are a lot of uh, media platforms out there with all kinds of constraints and liabilities. And, you know, there's a federal communication commission, the FCC. And there's the FEC, the Federal Election Commission. And these two these two federal bodies weigh in on free speech. Now, I think we should probably get rid of them, but that's a whole other conversation. Why should Twitter and Facebook be exempt from these things, have special carve outs? not liable for what they publish, not constrained, but can direct in the aggregate using algorithms what ideas, what thoughts, what articles are published. So in a sense, they're like the editors of the whole Internet. Instead of just being the editor of a newspaper, the Facebook and Twitter uh, and Google algorithms are editing the Internet for you every day. And we allow them a free hand. Seems like a seems like a pretty bad idea to me. Seems like a losing proposition to me. But here's what Twitter safety. <laughs> That's so classic. Orwellian does come to mind with a lot of this. We want to provide much needed clarity around the actions we've taken with respect to two New York Post articles. First tweeted this morning. This is from yesterday. The images contained in the articles. This is official Twitter explanation here, folks. The images contained in the articles include personal and private information like email addresses and phone numbers, which violate our rules. As noted this morning, we also currently view materials included in the articles as violations of our hacked materials policy. Uh, Okay. Um, Why is it hacked? And... The images contained in the articles include personal and private. So you're saying that the New York Post shared things recklessly? Is that the claim? That the the article uh, had things in it that put people, what, at risk? Is that what they're saying? Seems like a stretch. Commentary on or discussion about hack materials, such as articles that cover them but do not include or link to the materials, aren't a violation. Our policy only covers links to the images or hack material themselves. The policy established in 2018 prohibits the use of our service to distribute content obtained without authorization. We know we have more work to do to provide clarity in our, po- in our product when we enforce our rules in this manner. We should provide additional blah 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 Twitter safety, blah 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 Okay. Now, let's just for a moment move beyond how n- what they're saying does not really apply to this article. Wasn't hacked. I, I, what, what sensitive personal... Yeah, I mean... Hunter Biden with a crack pipe is kind of sensitive in a sense, but journalists will publish that sort of thing all the time. He's a public figure in the middle of a public controversy. This is reality. This is going to happen. 
Think for a second, folks. Do you think that Twitter would censor a photo of Donald Trump Jr. or Eric, uh, Eric Trump with a crack pipe? Do you, do you think that would happen for one second? No, of course not. We all know the same way that somehow we all understand that if you go to a BLM protest and say something people don't like, they're probably going to be violent and hurt you. But the violence is on the right. We all know that, though. It's dangerous to go to a left wing protest and say things they don't like. You show up at a conservative protest and say whatever you want. No one cares. Happens all the time. Counter protests show up all the time. Uh, the same way we know that, we also know that if if Donald Trump Jr. Uh, had a, a child with a stripper and then denied paternity, right, wouldn't wouldn't uh, wouldn't send uh, paternity money to help with the baby and was selling influence to his dad and taking photos of himself with a crack pipe. Uh, I think they would cover that story. Now, Donald Trump Jr. obviously has done none of those things, but I'm just using this as a comparison. Why is that? Uh, we all know why. The bias is glaring. It's enormous. It's unavoidable. You see it all over the place. But then there's another question I have. So why is, uh, if the problem here is preventing the sharing of, let's say, even unverified or untrue information, what the heck happened with the Steele dossier and all the Russia collusion stuff? How did that get past all these journo firewalls of truth? How did that get in there? Was that ever unshared on social media? Was that was there ever a directive that this stuff is not allowed to continue to be on our platform because it's crap? It's a lie. No, there wasn't. I just think that's noteworthy. I think that we should all pay attention to exactly what's going on there, because, my friends, we see this. Uh, we see this constantly and we're told we're not supposed to care. But as Glenn Greenwald put it, look carefully at what Twitter is saying to justify censoring the Biden story. If applied consistently, it would mean that some of history's most consequential journalism, the Pentagon Papers, WikiLeaks war logs, Snowden docs, Panama, Panama Papers, our Brazil archive would be banned. Uh, OK, it's true, isn't it? We all know it's true. And yet. We're supposed to pretend like we don't know what we know. That's the that's the game the media plays. That's what they're trying to convince you of. Uh, and Twitter has been locking accounts of people that share this information. So keep that up. It's not just the New York Post story. They locked the account of Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary. This is a Soviet style communication information blackout. For reasons of political control, that is what this country has been through. We have never seen anything like this before. It has never been this blatant. It has never been this consequential, this widespread. This is right before an election. Libs liked to lecture us on dark money, and they wanted to stop people from making anti-Hillary documentaries before an election because the First Amendment shouldn't apply to people who are conservative. But then this happens. How can you ever trust the social media companies again? You can't. You can't. They have broken their pact with the American people that they will operate as neutral, politically neutral platforms for people to share their thoughts and speech and ideas. No, they are effectively subsidiaries of the DNC 
Now, you'd say, Buck, but, you know, why well, wouldn't they shut down all Republican things and all? Well, that wouldn't be very effective, would it? That would cut out how much of their business model that would hurt their bottom line by a lot. They don't need to do that. I often say this. You don't na- you don't need to burn down every village to make a point to the villagers. Sometimes you just have to burn down one at the right time in the right place and everybody else falls in line. This story is being suppressed because the left is panicked about what it will do for a very close presidential election. This is the kind of interference that can actually throw an election one way or the other. It's being done dishonestly. It's being done under false pretenses. And the mainstream media and the tech giants are all over it. This is what we found out. And I think we're going to see it even gets worse. Because the Hunter Biden stories are going to keep coming. Can you imagine they've got access? It's like they found Hillary's laptop. Remember, say what you will about Hillary. Hello! I'm back. Say what you will about Hillary Clinton. She understood. You got to use bleach bit. You got to smash those phones with a hammer. I mean, come on, Hunter. This is JV stuff, buddy. You're going to run an international criminal corruption conspiracy like this. You got to destroy the evidence. there. Hillary somewhere is, you know, big glass of uh, of Pinot Noir in her hand. Kind of. Oh, Hunter. We talked about this, Hunter. Come on, buddy. Got to do better. Then you got to line your pockets because daddy's the vice president. You got to make sure you destroy the evidence. What is this? This is uh, this is a rookie mistake. This is a rookie mistake indeed. If you're going to be trying to pocket as much money as you can because your dad is supposed to be a representative of the American people. It's really grotesque, isn't it? The whole thing. Uh, so many Democrats become incredibly wealthy while just maintaining public office their whole lives. Maybe there should be a little bit more of a look into this. How exactly are they doing this? Who is giving them money? You know, we want to make this public service. Eh, maybe you, you shouldn't be able to cash in on being the vice president afterwards. So then you can run for president later, because guess what? That's an enormous open door for influence peddling and the corruption that we've already seen. Hillary Clinton did this. Joe Biden did this. We have other ethics regulations in place for people. You know, now we've changed for lobbyists and there there are these considerations that are put out there. And yet we're told that it should be normal for somebody to be able to be in public office and then step out into private life and accept money from whomever they want for whatever they want and then run for office again. Uh, and, and, and to pretend that what they're doing is either charity or it's what the market will bear. Yeah, it's what the market will bear. That's what drug dealers can say, too. It's what the market will bear. It doesn't mean that necessarily it should be legal or accepted. But we're just seeing the beginning of the Biden crime family. Stay tuned. And no matter what they do on Facebook and Twitter, the good news is, friends, you can still listen to it all right here.